and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Did you miss us last week? Yeah, we took a week off. Um, sue us, you know. Anyway, um, but, it, you know, we're, we're back to talk more uh, Star Wars stuff. And, you know, I'm Aaron and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How you guys doing? Doing well. And, doing good. Uh, um, Fredo watched after my dogs for a night um, as I was out of state. Um, and he lives to tell the tale. Um, but that's pretty easy. And, uh, Dave, I almost, I had to tell you, I almost called, uh, child protective services on you and Kate for showing a picture of your kid in an FSU hat. Um, (laughs) yeah, but you know, I made up for it with the uh, whole Chewbacca song video. There you go. There you go. What they were playing battlefront and had the (laughs) Chewbacca song playing. The better ending. I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off, finds out Vader's his father, uh, hand gets frozen, take away by Boba Fett. It ends on such a down note. I mean, that's what life is a series of down endings. All, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. Yes. <laughs> they weren't put up to that. They were just doing that. And I'm like, well, I have to record, video record this. Now, more important, though, and more momentous. Um, Dave, you you have a major major accomplishment in the Nintendo world. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Big I finished. Time. Yeah, I finished first in Pac Man '99, which like I don't even know how that happened. It must have been a good time of day. Or did something. you did you take your Adderall before you played? Because I played again tonight, <laughs> and I I like got 14th. And the, what I said immediately after I died was, "Holy crap, those ghosts were moving fast," and. You know, it, they, it's, yeah, it's amazing. I think it's luck of the draw a little bit. You know, are you going against somebody who's just elite or are you just going against a bunch of other people who are like of comparable ability? Because like that makes all the difference. In, in my opinion, that's how it was with Super Mario 35 too. Cause if you were going against somebody who was elite, you were screwed. You know, I, and I think actually, I, I think it's, it's tougher to get towards the top of Pac-Man 99 than it is Super Mario 35. Um, anyway, but... Uh, no, no, no. It but, makes sense. I mean, every everybody has played... I mean, most people have played Super Mario as well, but everybody knows how to play Pac-Man. It's a very simple idea and concept, and if you get 99 other people going against you, yeah, it can be... Yeah, I mean, it's three times as many people, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, so there's that, but yeah, it's... I, I don't know. Like I finished like fourth and then I finished fifth. And so I was like, I'm going to keep playing because I'm finishing strongly. Maybe I'm on a roll. And then I, and then I got first. So I'm going to retire now. You were wearing the kids down. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, yeah. So we're back to our normal, uh, uh, normal routine now. Um, tonight, our episode, uh, we're going to be discussing what we think are the top three space battles in star Wars. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the, what we think is the most overrated. Um, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's overrated. Um, though I think mine might cover both. Um, but, uh, and then apparently Dave has a, a special get off my lawn rant is, uh, (laughs) Um, do you, can you give us any hint as to what that rant is going to be about? I think it's going to have to do with one of our favorite whipping boys. 
Oh, oh okay. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what we're going to talk about. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get our uh, brain wrapped around to some trivia here. Uh, by the way, I have to tell this story, however. Um, so Brittany and I drove from New Orleans back to Nebraska. And I, uh, it was around lunchtime the first day. I got my iPad out, and I have Rise of Skywalker downloaded to my iPad. And I got about literally five minutes in, and I just closed the iPad. And Britt says, what's the matter? I was like, I, I, just, I just can't. I, I just I could not bring myself to watch the rest of that movie for some reason. I don't know what it was. It was just I was like, no, I don't want to. So I, I think that is it's that there's an interesting reaction. I just I just didn't want to watch it. Um, that's kind of sad. So anyway, um, so anyway, all right. Um, I don't know what that was all about. All right, cool. So trivia. Um, da, 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 Fredo. Okay. Who is Darth Vader talking to on the first Death Star when he observes he is here? Oh. Well, do we give people a moment or should I just blurt it out? Well, I think you just did by asking, so go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. You know, and forever when I was a kid, I thought it was Grandma Tarkin. (laughs) Grandma Tarkin? No, no, Grandma. Oh, Grandma. (laughs) I'm almost for a moment thinking, well, it is the late '70s, so Maud was in, in uh, <laughs> yeah, and B and B Arthur was in the holiday special. Coincidence? Hmm. I think not. <laughs> um, all right, so Dave, oh man, I, I I have a rule that I have to go with the one I saw first. What planet does Palpatine represent in the Senate? Naboo. That wasn't for dramatic effect, kids. That was just, you know, yeah, it is Naboo. That is for sure. All right. And to me, what word do the Gungans use to describe the droid army? Hmm, I I do know this one. It is the Mackinex. Ha! Yes, it was. <laughs> I sound like Boss Nass. Ha! The Mackinex. <laughs> It was a Mackinique's. You uh, to make it deeper. What, what was it? Uh, my, yeah, we were at the zoo in Omaha, which is an awesome zoo, by the way. And um, one of the, they have a a uh, couple bongo, you know, antelope type things, but a, have a bongo out there. So my brother and I were just talking like boss Nass for, you know, about five, ten minutes. We said give That's- you una bongo. Did, but did you mix in any Prince Volton into it? Nobody threw in a dive. Nope. Missed the opportunity. Come I on, guess man. so. I guess so. Well, all right. Uh, so we're all warmed up with uh, with um, some Star Wars uh, knowledge. And so let's dive into the news. Fredo, we got a birthday today. We got a couple, couple of birthdays. We had one yesterday. And then one a few days before. So happy 47th birthday to Dave Filoni, which was yesterday. And happy 68th birthday to Kathleen Kennedy, which was a few days before that on uh, June 5th. Right. So, yeah. Dave so Filoni the, uh, the is only a year. Star Wars. He's only a year younger than me. Hmm. I, I guess what you're saying is you too could be creative uh, lead at Lucasfilm. 
You know, I always said that I would take a job sharpening George Lucas's pencil. I know that sounds kind of dirty, but I mean, I'm like literally <laughs> like being his, getting him pens and paper and stuff, you know. Um, Yellow notepads. I mean, I would have totally done that. So <laughs> Kathleen's kind of young, if you think about it, because she really broke through with Spielberg and Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I think yep. that's really where she made her career. Her first producing uh, credit is E.T., what she's not qualified for anything come on dave you're, you're talking nonsense i mean look look you look at her list it's just raiders et indiana jones jurassic park you know small movies small is, independent films is howard the, the duck in there somewhere i don't know was she the producer and, on howard uh, the duck I don't maybe her husband frank marshall you know she actually she started ambling entertainment with steven spielberg which is why you have stuff like Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Tiny Twin Adventures. So. And everybody, please recognize the sarcasm in my voice. Don't come after me on social media. I mean, I think she is highly qualified to run Lucasfilm, and I think the people who criticize her are idiots. So, um, what's interesting though is like again, like I think she's kind of young because you, you Star Wars is forty-ish years old, right? Um, so subtract 40 years old from her age, and now you're talking like 28 when those movies were like popping. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that is pretty nuts. Yeah. She was in her early 30s when she was producing the biggest blockbusters in Hollywood history, which says a lot about her, but it also says a lot. I mean, I think it's also part of the crew of people that she was with, whether it's her husband, Frank Marshall. Spielberg, Lucas, these were all young guys when they were all, and, and women, uh, when they were all doing all this stuff. And it's amazing to think. Um, so, anyway, happy birthday to both of them. And here's to many more. I will move from good news to further good news. Uh, so, uh, we mentioned in the last show that the 501st Legion was going to do a live stream celebrating 50 years of Lucasfilm uh, titled 1138. So that was held, uh, I believe, last week. And anyway, they announced that they raised over $26,000 for STEM education. Uh, they were raising money for this organization called FIRST, which is uh, the world's leading youth-serving nonprofit advancing STEM education. So uh, $26,382 raised over uh, live stream and Facebook uh, for them by the 501st Legion. That's so awesome. Congrats. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I didn't attend any of it. Um, but I did see they had Migna win was a, was a guest. They also they had several other guests. So, um, yeah, that's, that's very cool. Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of goes, speaks to you know, a lot of the ethos. A lot of people take on loving this silly franchise that we all follow. They, they want to do good and they want to support stuff. So, I think the 501st does a lot of good charity work in general. You know, like, Aaron, have you ever been drafted into any of those kinds of, you know, like children's hospital visits and things like that? Um, I haven't done hospital visits. I've done other events. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what most of the guys and, and guys in the generic sense, you know, most of the members, um, you know, really – appreciate most about being because you know it Alvin Johnson who who started the 501st you know his daughter um uh 
died of cancer, died of brain cancer. And that's how the whole R2KT thing came up. He, you know, she, she wanted her own, um, um, R2D2 to watch over her. And so the droid builders club, you know, made her, her own R2 full size, fully functional R2D2 to watch over. Her. And, um, <clears throat> so, you know, so, so I think at that point, I think the 501st really took a hard, you know, turn towards, you know, more charity events and things like that. Um, so I know that's been one of the tough things about obviously with COVID is that, you know, we haven't been able to do really any of those. So, which must be rough, I imagine. Well, you know, the, the motto is bad guys doing good. So, um, yeah. Uh, moving into the next story then, because there's no good segue there. Uh, so uh, uh, they're fi- they're finished. No, 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 no. I mean, look, look, look. We're go- we're gonna go from fun, uplifting to Rumorville. So let's head to Rumorville. Uh, Variety just finished filming season fourteen of Actors and Actors, which is a show that they put online and they put on PBS where actors interview fellow colleagues. This season is going to feature some people we know and like, but one episode in particular has Ewan McGregor and Pedro Pascal. So yeah, the lead of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the lead of The Mandalorian. So they've started releasing a few clips, kind of showing stuff. One of the ones that they mentioned is that uh, Pedro Pascal says they have yet to start filming season three of The Mandalorian. Now, for those of you not keeping tabs, Pedro has also been cast in the lead of HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, the survival video game. That's supposed to start filming sometime July, so next month, which I believe would make it unlikely that Pedro will start filming or that they would start filming season three of Mandalorian until afterwards, so whenever that gets done, which kind of makes me think we're more than likely going to get Andor for, we're going to get Book of Boba Fett, we're going to get Andor, before we even hear a word of season three of Mandalorian. So when when did they when did they film these um, the, uh, interview? the, the interviews? Yeah. They were they were done over the last few weeks. Okay. It officially premieres next Friday, I believe it's the eighteenth. They're gonna put them out on a weekly basis. So. That's, re- that's a really interesting. Cause I I, for, I don't know why I b- thought maybe it's just because of all the podcasts I listen to, but I thought that uh, Mandalorian season three would be coming out like right on the heels of Book of Boba Fett. But maybe I just assumed that mm-hmm. was possible. Uh, could be, could be. Uh, there could be. We're also going to get that Star Wars Visions uh, show sometime around October. Mm. And and then you know that you're getting Book of Boba Fett December. So I would imagine that I mean, they also got all the Marvel's uh, 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 Cinematic Universe stuff coming out. So I'm pretty sure they will probably put and or first and then look towards uh uh either kenobi or uh, mando season three so i'm with you and i'm surprised by that i i thought that i had i thought it was pretty well established that mandalorian was gonna go on the heels of book of boba fett at least that i know at some point somebody somewhere said something along those lines and everybody probably ran with it but um you know, they can always change. I, again, as long as we get a good product, I'm fine waiting. But um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. 
apparently it's been reported that Book of Boba Fett has wrapped filming because they've okay. got pictures of the crew with like their going away gifts that they usually get, you know, they like t-shirts and gear and other sorts of stuff that they get as, you know, wrapped gifts, so to speak. Uh, and then Pedro is going to be filming, like I said, Last of Us from, apparently scheduled to film from July 21st, 2021 to June 2022nd. So I don't know if that necessarily means he's committed to just being there with them all that time, can't do anything else, or if it's something where he can be kind of coming and going, you know, kind of like, okay, we got you for a month, then you go ahead and do something. Well, let's, let's, let's be honest for a lot of Mandalorian, you know, that's his stunt double. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his work is done in the, in the voiceover booth, you know, I mean, he does stuff on set obviously, but you know, I think they can probably they could probably work around all that. So, but no, but it's 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 just interesting because you know, as he's getting more popular, he's getting more work. That also means that he's gonna have constraints on what he can and can't take on, just because you, know, you literally can't be two places at once. But are are we surprised? It was you and McGregor interviewing Pedro Pascal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's are too- we amazed that the nerds didn't go absolutely nuts thinking that Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, was going to be on Obi Wan show? <laughs> well, maybe we can we get, can we get a yet. well. I mean, little little Din Djarin was you know was in the Clone Wars. I mean, because we saw the the super battle droids and Death Watch and all that stuff, so. Maybe there is a connection. You never know, kids. So I pulled up a Tech Radar article mm-hmm. while we were sitting here talking about this, and it um, they say that since the filming hasn't started yet, apparently, um, they, they're thinking mid-2022 might be the earliest that Mandalorian So like a year, year from now. Yeah. Which makes sense when you think release date wise, because right now we got Bad Batch. October, say we get Star Wars Vision. Christmas, we get Book, Book of Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Sometime in the spring, we'll probably get Andor. You got to get, you know, they don't like to put everything back to back. I think the mm-hmm. uh, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier stuff coming back to back, that was a rarity forced to them by COVID. Uh, whereas now I think they're going to be more judicious about okay we want to build a few weeks to the next thing so the problem is i'm waiting for a major trade though to get on this one i think like the net nerds haven't melted down about this yet because they don't know well talking about meltdowns i'll I'll divert us right quick just to say not necessarily meltdown but uh waititi put on his instagram a post that basically he's wrapped filming Thor uh, 4. So when do you think we're going to get that announcement about his Star Wars movie? Because he's supposed to be making one and we've yet to hear a thing about it. I don't know. His yeah. ro- his romantic uh, interludes have been making more news than his movie making. So I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Let me put it this way. Do you think they would save something like that for celebration next year? Or do you think they would try to do it before the end of 2021? I wouldn't be surprised if he started work on it 
today mm-hmm. uh you know or yesterday or whenever the 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 other movie wrapped um obviously they got to do post-production and editing and everything else but um that doesn't mean like you'll get any kind of announcement for a year or two years or right. however long um well, but that's I kind of- think in theory he's going to start working on it like you said yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking it might make more sense okay he's coming because we don't know if it's written or don't know how far along in the stage of development it is they might have done nothing more than pre-production at best right now. And, and this is this is the type a in me and i have a little bit of type a in me it's just like that's the nice thing about marvel where they have hey kids here's the order of stuff that's coming out you know so you know that we're on this agenda I've never understood now that now that Star Wars is into all these things, you know, I don't know. And I don't know why we need to know. I don't even it's it sounds silly to complain about it. It's like, you know, if if a new star, it's like if a new Star Wars package shows up on my door and it's like, hey, wow, look at this, you know, a new show I can watch, then who cares? But but it would be you didn't give me enough time to get excited about it. But maybe maybe it's because so many things just kind of get talked about then collapse or thrown by the wayside that you know you want something a little bit more definitive i don't know i'm just surprised that it's because his movie was announced before road squadron before anything else and we're now two to three years later and we're still kind of like we know he's making one well let's remember that ryan johnson's still doing a trilogy uh supposedly knives knives out two supposed to be done just about yeah he's been working on that so So, well they just they they're leaking casting of okay, that movie. Okay. So I don't know if they so must be doing it. it. Yeah. Yeah. He must be filming it. So yeah. maybe, um, like I said, maybe celebration next year will be the big here's our roadmap. Get excited, geeks. Maybe. Maybe. And I, I, Aaron, to your point, like I think um the state's back to solo for me. Was like, okay. Solo's coming out in May when we just had a Star Wars movie released in, you know, December. And it's like, that threw everybody's, like, internal clock awry because, like, you weren't used to that with Star Wars, I think. Now, if that had led into a similar sort of calendar where it's like, oh, every six months we're going to release a Star Wars movie, um, I think everybody would have adjusted and, okay, great. That's the new reality, but it never became a new reality. Yeah. And now things get canceled and pushed back and moved around. And you're just like, wait, what's, what's, what's next? What's next? I don't know. I I foresee in the future, a, a celebration panel of star Wars projects that never were, you know, um, or maybe in comic-con or something like that. They'll talk about these things that were supposed to come out and, you know, that might, Never that might be an interesting one just simply to sit you know like you always said sit jj and ryan down and talk about stuff but get them get them really liquored up that's yeah. what i want you sit them down on stage and get them really liquored up so they start talking yeah. Yeah, but not just that so let's sit other people down and say you had this idea why didn't it happen so, so uh, we'll mention thanks to dave mentioning solo it gives me a segue to mention uh they were asking um uh, amelia clark uh, regarding Kira, because and by right the way, now, before before you dive into this this uh, last bullet, uh, spoilers, everybody. So oh yeah, um, so you might uh, uh, you might if you don't want to have spoilers, uh, you can go away, okay, and then come back later. All right, go ahead. Okay, just real quick, 
So in the comic book uh, for Boba Fett and a few other, it's a crossover event happening right now. Uh, we mentioned a few months back called War of the Bounty Hunters, which is supposed to detail the story of what happens to Boba Fett and the Frozen and Carbonite Han Solo. And apparently Kara resurfaces there. And so they asked uh, comicbook.com. Asked, uh, well, now hold on. She just doesn't resurface. She's the one that stole Han Solo from Boba Fett. Apparently, oh. this whole story is that it, that uh, Boba Fett gets gets um, uh, his prize stolen from him, and it turns out that it was Crimson Dawn and specifically uh, Kira. Kira. So you got Crimson Dawn coming back in. You got Kira, you know, stealing Han Solo. So it brings her into the main story of the original trilogy. Um, right. Anyway. Keep going, Fredo. Sorry. No, so, no, no. So anyway, so they asked her about it. And obviously, she was nothing but positive. She says it means so much. It means the absolute world. I know her backstory. Uh, maybe the movie didn't get to go there, but that was such an honor and a privilege to be part of that universe as an actor. So to see the character actually be taken on to the origin of it all, uh, cemented in a way. I was not expecting to feel as moved as I was by that. And look, she's going to be positive about her role. And I don't think, you know, we should look into it as, oh my God, is Kira coming back? Well, because... but, 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 but. Big hairy butts? Well, it's like, okay, so this just seems like too coinkydink that, you know, because other, it's like, how else do you get, hey kids, remember Kira? And then everybody goes, yeah, I like that character because guess what? Probably going to show up in some show, a book of Boba Fett, possibly. You know, I mean, if we're going to be talking about he's the head of Jabba's crime syndicate now, and if, you know, at the, you know, in between Jedi and Empire, you know, Crimson Dawn is now done laying low, you know, I, I, that could be a possibility. You know, um, there's there's a lot. Of, it just seems really interesting. It could have been anybody who, because like in the Shadows of the Empire comic book, it was like IG-88 was trying to steal him from from Boba Fett. So, but all of a sudden it's Kira and it just was like kind of, I don't know. It, it just seems very interesting. I'll just say that. Yeah. There's, there's two different reasons you would use Kira. One of them would be for Han's story. Like it would be very personal uh, to him that she would be involved in the storyline. Right. And so like to add a little bit of extra oomph to the story, you put her in it. But the other side of the, you know, the thinking there could be what you're talking about, Aaron, which is like, well, we're laying the groundwork for her being around and we can bring her back now in things like Book of Boba Fett. Well, you could, or in the Kenobi series or in any of these things, you know what I mean? It's like, because you've established, hey, she's living. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see her if she were to make an appearance in Obi-Wan Kenobi because... Even though she's got no history with Obi-Wan, actually, would she even be old enough at that point in time? Well, I guess it depends on when they said it, but, you know, she could pop in there. Well, I mean, that would, that would be really a square peg in a triangular mm-hmm. hole. But what I'm saying is that they've, it's, it's just, you know, hey, remember, this person is still here. Otherwise, it could have been, you know, they could have had it be Bosk. That stole, you know, Bosk. 
<laughs> right. No, or it could have been any other uh, syndicate crime boss at the time trying to steal Han Solo's body. You know, you didn't necessarily need to be Kara. You clearly bring her in because she's got weight behind her regarding her relationship with Han. I, I was going to say the likeliest place for her to maybe pop up would be the Lando series if that happens um which you know again it's been announced i think or at least rumored multiple times so it's like okay lando is still maybe a go um so it would make a lot of sense for her to pop up in that um so yeah i i don't think we're done with the character in live action well, like you said you know book of boba fett as well um you could just you know a little makeup and make her you know age um, but if, if she's running Crimson Dawn, like I said, or a part of, you know, that crime syndicate, because we don't know what the book of Boba Fett's going to be about. Um, right. but, um, that's total possibility. So everything's mm-hmm. possible. All right. Well, cool. Well, that's, that's all the, the news and speculation. Um, so, um, let's move on to the. Oh, before we move on to our heated topic, I just want to ask one thing, because we're not going to talk about Bad Batch tonight, um, but we have been watching Bad Batch. Um, and uh, I want each of you to tell me who you think um, the Martez sisters were talking to in the hologram at the end of this last episode. Who is the mystery figure? Who do you think? Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Bail Organa. That was what my wife said. She is smart, so (laughs) she's smart, but Dave doesn't seem to agree with it. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, uh, are they still talking to Ahsoka? Maybe. You know, the only thing that throws you off there is that they use the pronoun he. Um, But I mean. you know, she was kind of a he at, at one point when she was fulcrum. Could it could it be well, okay, if we're gonna talk about fulcrums, could it be Cassie and Andor? Could be fun. Does that does that age work? No, I guess to me the one question that this kind of plays into the timeline of where we're at. Because from what we know, this is in the immediacy of the fall of the republic so we're about 18 we're about 18 years before a new hope rogue one yeah and several years before rebels or any point where we know of a galactic rebellion or an alliance uh put together so would we suspect that people already would have been working to depose palpatine as early as a few months afterwards, well, or... they saw Guerrero was already in the this is true in the first episode. I mean, my my first guess was Infus Nest, but I don't know if she'd have the sway as an eight year old or however old she'd be. <laughs> but remember, her mother. But her mother wore the armor before her. Yeah. So this might, I mean, Emphis Nest might be like a Batman thing, you know, where it's, you know, or the Dread Pirate Roberts, you know, that's, it's passed down. So that, I mean, that's kind of an interesting take on it. I don't think it's going to be, I, I, I guess I don't, I, I think if it was Bail or Ghana, it would be just be kind of like, meh, you know, I mean, 
it's it's not too big surprise because Bail Organa has been in Rebels and such. I don't think it'd be Maul because it's like how many times can we make him the secret, you know, reveal? Um, Mon Mothma, you know, but again, the Mon Mothma and the Ahsoka, Bale, right? it's the it's the it's the pronoun game unless they're trying to throw us off, you know. Um, but the interesting thing was, well, so anyway, um, no, I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but I, now that Dave says Emphis Nest, I hadn't thought that. And it could be the Emphis Nest predecessor. Um, I was thinking since we've already seen Saw, I was like, well, who's Saw adjacent? Um, like somebody who's a little more rough around the edges than Bale and, and them. And I thought, well, Enthus Nest might be a decent answer, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. So, um, yeah. Um, cool. Well, we'll talk about Bad Batch uh, next week. So let's go on to space battles. Space battles. <laughs> Top three and most overrated. Uh, and Dave, where is your rant going to take place? Just will it take place like spontaneously if one of us hits one of the battles you're talking about, or I fully don't expect it to come up, so I'll probably save my rant for the end. All right, so kids, stay, stay, uh, stay tuned. Get the popcorn. Um, Dave's gonna have his get off my lawn rant. Um, which, if if you would have been part of our private chat today, you would have seen Aaron's get off my lawn, you know, rant um so that's for next week maybe that's what we should do we should start a patreon and then let people get into our you know dms so they can see what we yell about um <laughs> or what aaron yells about all right so um how do we do this um let's let's go around the horn um i am going to start because i'm talking um and uh it, this is in no particular order um but uh and by the way, everything we decided everything was fair game, um, even though my three still come from the movies. Um, but uh, everything's fair game, so it could be animated, could be um, whatever. Um, so, but I'm going to start off with, I think probably the one that made me go wow right off the bat, and that was uh, the space battle in Return of the Jedi, um, because you know A New Hope the space battle was, you know, cool because we hadn't seen stuff like that. And in empire, you had the asteroids and stuff like that. But I remember in the space battle for return of the Jedi, I was struck by how fast it was. ILM figured out how to add velocity to those things. And, um, and there also weren't too many ships it was like just the right amount of ships. It didn't seem too um, congested. Um, and of course you had, you know, the battle on the start of the star destroyers and you had them going into the, the uh, death star. So it was like kind of, you had to be ping ponging around. I just, I just dug that space battle. I, and I still do. Um, so it's what it's well uh, edited. It's one of the things that I've, you go back and you notice, cause I've seen YouTube clips where they take, just a space battle and just put it together and you know you notice that okay um how well it works on its own where it's just okay the captain of the big surprise by, by uh, the emperor and then they attack uh the, the imperial star destroyers and then 
the shield goes down and they launch themselves at the Death Star and they get into the Death Star. And so it's it's very well paced. And I and I like that you have A wings and B wings and X wings. I mean, so you have couple different types of ships that you can kind of keep your eye on this tie interceptors were the new ship you know so um it just had a wow factor so that was my first one cool cool i guess i'll go next um uh the third one i'm, I'm going in order so this is i i ranked them one two three so the third one for me battle over coruscant and revenge of the sith and the only reason it's not higher is because it's not very battle focused. It's very microscopic problem, buzz droids focused. It's like we're, we're trying to get these buzz droids off the ship, and like that's where like all of their focus is for the for the length of this epic epic space battle, which is insane. And I, like this is one of my favorite moments of um, the score. With the, the way this movie opens, with them swooping over the edge of the battle cruiser and revealing this insane battle, and then it just builds and builds and builds, and then eventually it kind of fizzles with the buzz droids. But um, what's cool about this, and I haven't sat down and done this, but a lot of people say that you can like actually follow how the battle is going when they're on the command deck when they're like, um, you know, they're having their duel with Dooku. And then later on, when they're in the control deck of the ship, you can you can see the different stages of the battle occurring. Um, I, I don't think I've used a microscope on the on these on these scenes enough to really uh, pinpoint all of that. But that's a, that'd be a good idea for a YouTube video if somebody wants to take that on. I think but, there's uh, a there's a YouTube channel that I saw they did like the battle of geonosis um and uh, like all the background stuff you know they just you know yeah. look at all the, what's going on with the jedi in the background so yeah some people do that oh yeah i've seen a different youtube video took out the bus droids uh, oh. <laughs> but, and, and added to the opening a lot of chat comp chatter from like the clones from clone wars oh, so yeah. it made it sound more like like you're driving that's the reason. I mean, it was my number three as well, because it it lands. Uh, it's a perfect way to start that movie. It's. I am surprised how little Star Wars begins in the middle of a war battle scene, like that in Episode Four. The only times that we really actively start in the middle of, actually in the middle of in, in media rest, so to speak, and a lot and a lot as a movie that's got to get a lot done, not waiting to introduce stuff. Just go. Because by this point, you should know who the characters are. You want to get into the action. So you're right. It, it should be higher, but it's not higher because it's so short. It's just it's a mechanism to get Obi-Wan and Anakin onto uh, Grievous' uh, capital flagship. And that's it. But I love it for all it has. And, and George got a little cute. I, again, like you understand, he's like, well, I'm tired of doing space battles. So let's come up with a different spin on it. Oh, we got the buzz droids and everything else, but Star Wars versions of gremlins, <laughs> like the Looney yeah, Tunes exactly. gremlin. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm calling an audible here, and I'm going to say, you know, your your most overrated card. You can play that at any time during the game. And I'm going to play my most overrated card right now, and it's the exact battle you guys are talking about. It is the episode. It's the opening battle of episode three, and it's because of everything you guys just said. That it starts off with such promise. And then it's like you just got your candy taken away, you know, by the bully right off the bat. The buzz droids drive me crazy. All the droid ships drive me nuts. The banter between Obi-Wan and Anakin seems kind of forced, you know. It just, I mean, it. The, I'll give you this. The opening shot where he comes over the cruiser and you see the scope of this thing. It was like, wow, this is so cool. And then that's the end of the coolness for me. I mean, I saw, I, I don't think it's bad. I just, th- I think it's, I think it's overrated. I don't even think it should have ended in your guys's top three. Um, because it's, I, you know, it, uh, I don't know. You're right. Fredo. The moment. only, the only, the only, the only reason that it's there is so that they can get on Grievous's ship, you know? Um, but, and that, and I think it kind of gets into my, what I was saying about return of the Jedi is that it was almost too congested. You know, everything felt like a swarm of bees, you know, rather than like, I don't know, a, a legitimate dogfight type of thing. Anyway, Dave. That, that'll probably be part of my rant later. Um, but uh, I'll just say like that moment where they, they swoop over the side of the battle cruiser and you see the Clone Wars. This is like the Clone Wars. This is what we were promised. Here it is. I get goosebumps every time. It doesn't matter if you know, three minutes later, I'm looking at my watch. That specific moment for me keeps it in my top three. Yeah, it, it keeps it in mind because it's the perfect opening to a Star Wars movie for me. Like, think of, uh, like I said, episode three and episode four just kick you into action. Don't think, don't blink. You came here to see this. Let's go. Every other one of the Star Wars movies being slow, and we gotta walk you through. I, I so. give you that. I give you that. It's a, it, it was a great idea that was not executed to where it could have been. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's Fair why enough. I think it's overrated. I, I, okay. so that, that's me. So uh, all right. So uh, number two on my list um, was uh, I put uh, the Battle of Scarif um, in Rogue One. Um, I just I, I, again. Um, it reminded me of the return of the Jedi battle actually. And I, I thought it was also, it was very intimate as well, you know, with, I mean, we, when you see the, the Imperials, like after, when they run the, the Corvette into the, uh, um, star destroyer, you, you see what, what happens during a battle, I suppose. Um, and it was also very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not frantic. It was kind of frantic, but it was also, um, oh man, sorry. Totally losing the word right now that I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, the, the rebels were just hoping to make a dent, you know? Um, but I, I like that, you know, I like how the, the ghost is in there. I thought that's a cool little thing. Um, you know, you see a swarm of tie fighters, but then that that swarm kind of breaks up, so it's not like I said a pile of bees. Um, uh, just I I just dig the battle. It just seems like a, it seems like a good old fashioned dogfight. I don't know. Battle. Yeah, scarf. it's my number one. 
That's about the best in terms of space battle. I think it's tough to, tough to top Scarif just because it there's a lot of weight behind it. The story has given you the story, you know, the stakes as to everything that's important is happening on the ground between Jin and Cassian and the rest of Rogue One. But then the excitement when Admiral Raditz shows up and they send the uh, Blue Squadron down into the surface and you're like, well, that explains why we never saw a Blue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> they all died there. <laughs> and you, you get to see Red 5 go away. Uh, but no, but it's... And even the way that they intercut the footage from A New Hope into a Rogue One in order to make it fit seamlessly, that these, yes, these were the same characters that we would see days later in the oh, Battle and of the Avenue. The other thing that Gareth Edwards did so well was the over-the-shoulder camera, you know, like mm-hmm. like like they had a GoPro attached to, you know, the Astromech shoulder, um, you know, so you, you get that perspective. Um that was that was really cool as well. Again, it just it makes it personal. It gets you into the battle. Um, it was very fast too. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I yeah. stepped on you, Fredo. No, no, no. It's good. No, really. Like I said, that's why it's on my list. That's why it, it it does everything well. It, you get that sense of action of speed. It's edited really well it's got you know it just flows really well again between what's happening on, on in the ground and in space so that you're always tasked with okay this is important and uh lives are at stake you're, ne- you're never far away from the uh how important it is for our protagonist for us to go through well i um we're probably going to sound like broken records on these lists a little bit because honestly, um, number two for me is Battle of Endor. Um, I mean, just for all the reasons you listed, uh, Aaron, um, it. The, I think the score again, like I, I come back to the score a lot with these, <laughs> with the reasons that I I elevate these things the way that I do. But I think like just those those. The, the moments of score in that battle, but like you said, it's it's not too busy or filmed in an unrealistic way. And when I say that, it's because um, when you see sh- things shot nowadays um, in Hollywood, it's it's shot with like a CGI sequence where there's no limitations. Okay, so we're just going to shoot it however we want to shoot it, and we're going to frame it however we want to frame it. It doesn't really matter. We can do whatever we want. But you don't get the feeling of, like, being there because there's something that, like, flips in the back of your brain. You're like, this is not possible, this, like, this angle and me swooping through a wall and, you know, like... Things like things of this nature. Too much is going on. I can't follow it. My my eyes can't follow it, and I can't process it in my brain. There's a lot that they do nowadays in modern Hollywood that um, they lose sight of the fact that I'm trying to put my audience member into the scene, and I think like ba- the Battle of Endor really like walked that line. Like you said, it added velocity to the space sequences from the first film um but it also did it in a way where it wasn't just noise 
one thing one thing i was uh, just thinking of regarding the battle of Endor, i was watching this video talking about avengers endgame and how one good thing that those directors did was kind of raise the stake and then you know like build the audience up bring it back down build it up even higher so like you know you can you know you have the alliance fleet show up and then all of a sudden you find out no the shield's operational and then you find out that the death star's operational and then you find out they're trapped so the stakes keep going up higher and higher and you're asking our our heroes to kind of rise up to the moment and then all of a sudden the shield gets taken down and that flips things and then they bring down the superstar so there's you know you you're taking on a roller coaster through that battle i sort of want to overstate like or understate rather the um the strategy involved in it because it's like when when you have somebody on screen tell you here's strategy we're gonna do it go and then you see it in full there's just something magical about that it's like and i'm thinking specifically of lando's moment of we're going to engage the star destroyers at point blank range and it's like yes of course that's what you're going to do in that circumstance because otherwise the death star is just going to mow you all down there's a logic to it and then you get to see it and it's like okay now they're taking on these star destroyers and they're taking heavy losses but it it's beautiful it's just you know there's a logic to it tell me then show me and 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 do it in a way that my brain will accept and uh yeah they just towed the line beautifully with that you know fredo it's interesting that you bring up endgame because i was actually thinking that 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 endgame you know the final battle that really walks a thin line that is almost what we're talking about be, about being too busy mm-hmm. whereas like you know they they could have but some of the choices they made by cutting away from the enormity of the battle and getting up close and personal with one or two characters you know allows you to keep your brain in the game like dave was just talking about so but the, otherwise that could have been like a transformers movie where it's like you don't know what the hell's going on um <laughs> So, um, cool. All right. Well, th- this next one was kind of surprising to me, but it came, I was like, cause I, I, I settled on, um, Jedi and, um, and battle of Scarif. And then I was like, Hmm, what would be my third? And I was like, well, duh. And, um, and it's going to be interesting because given how I was, you know, felt about the movie before it came out, but it is the, the Kessel run, um, in solo um solo it qualifies as a space battle because he's being chased by tie fighters so when han is finally flying the millennium falcon leaving kessel that is just awesome from the get-go you know the maneuvers that he's doing to take out the tie fighters i love you know you know beckett and he you know bantering back and forth a little bit um you know, seeing the bond between Han and Chewie. It, so there's reasons I like it, not because it's a great space battle, you know, but because of the other things that are going on in it. But, um, uh, but especially, but yeah, but just the maneuvers Han was doing as well. Like I said, you, you wouldn't think about taking out a TIE fighter by doing a barrel roll, you know, that type of thing that was like something new, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was, that was mine, my third. 
I'm really glad that ended up on your list because um, that would have been on my honorable mentions. Yeah, but like I said, it was because yeah, I remember literally I was like, okay, big whoop about the Kessel Run because we know everybody's going to make it out okay. Right. But I still, every time I watch that that sequence, I'm still gripping the side of the chair. It's just, and I think the score has everything to do with it, Dave, like you're talking about. Um, you know, like I said, and it's just the the way the actors are involved and I especially love when um oh what is it Han says uh what we need to angle the deflector we need to do something and Kira says yeah we definitely do and then Chewie just steps in and here let me <laughs> and she's <laughs> like Chewie you so there's a lot of stuff that's going on in there a lot of storytelling um in a very exciting chase sequence battle sequence so yeah so you said yeah, it would have made your honorable mention? Yeah, yeah. Lived up to my expectations and then some. Like, I wasn't, like, itching to watch the Kessel Run. I really wasn't. I was like, okay. You know, I know some fans were, and that's cool. But I was like, well, do I really need to see this thing on screen? It's like, uh, no, not really. Um, but then, yeah, I watched. I was the same as you. as That whole sequence. And it has one of the all-time great, gags at the end of it with the uh with the engine failure with the hyperdrive sound yeah. failing which comes out of left field you don't expect it in that moment you're like we're gonna save the day they're gonna get through this it's gonna be great and then woo, 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 you know that sound oh my gosh you know um i was just like guffawing in the theater at that moment and then uh course they got through it but uh, yeah I, I, I love that sequence um, yeah no it's, it was really well done and he, i mean here's what's interesting we knew that it was such a big moment that in han's life that we knew he he keeps referencing for the rest of his life so it has to be a big showstopper and you get it and then you realize okay how the heck is this going to work and then again they do a good job of establishing why it has to be han and chewy behind the the, the cockpit controls and that's a moment and then plugging in L3 into the into the you know into the Millennium Falcon that's a moment and then you know keep trying to get away from the TIE fighters and then finding the big beast in the middle of the maelstrom and you know releasing the little bit of a uh, the coaxium fuel, so, yeah the coaxium yeah, yeah. that so, stuff also, nearly exploding exactly so this, uh, there's even a moment where it just feels like, okay, they didn't make it. And then giant explosion and the Falcon just shoots out across the universe. And uh, no wonder when you see it next, it's just torn up the heck. You're like, well, yeah, now it makes sense. Uh, so no, it was really good. It was really well done. It was really well done. Uh, Dave, did you get to mention your third one? No, not yet. Um, but it's, it's a familiar one, the Battle of Scarif. Um, that's my top choice. Um, I wouldn't have expected that either. I don't think at um, necessarily sitting down to do this, but I think again, those those callback moments are so wonderful, and the the idea that this um, the logic of it, right? Which is like, okay, whoa, the re the rebellion's here now. You know, the the empire's on its heels. We got to close down the gate. The rebellion's like, we got to get through the gate before they close down the gate. 
then it's like we got to take down the gate we can't take down the gate how do we take down the gate well let's take down a star destroyer and the star destroyer will take down the gate you know it's just like the from point a to point b to point c um i love all of it i love the hammerhead um it's um it's all great and again it's not too frenetic it's not too busy you can kind of follow what's going on at any given moment um and it's just um it just really, really well, and works I, I just realized the word i was searching for it was, they're so desperate mm-hmm. yeah it, it was yeah. just it was pure desperation i mean where it's like you know and that because you know you just have the feeling that they're just going to get their butts whomped you know um but I, I i really think rogue one has the best third act in all of star wars i mean yeah. the the space battle land battle and then the vader scene you, do, you just can't really it, the last you know 30 minutes of that movie is just incredible mm-hmm. i want to go watch it right now actually uh well, before you start watching, I'll mention my last one, and uh, it's interesting because as I was looking at the other battles, like there's some that I could find honorable mention reasons for, but I didn't want to put on my list, and then there were a few that I was just like, eh, I'm not really too much into. So then I actually went back and started looking. I was surprised Clone Wars doesn't have too many space battles. That's a lot of land and uh, uh, like planet battles, but not too many in space. And then I ended up ended up going to Rebels, and I found the Battle of Adalon, aka the Battle of Chopper Base, which kind of plays similar in nature to the Battle of Scarif, where you use that word desperate, Aaron. Yeah. Because it's the idea that Tarkin's shown up, he's discovered their secret base, they got him trapped, and then uh, Commander Sato has to sacrifice the ship that they just spent so much effort to get, so they could have a mobile platform. Yeah, let's just throw that out in order to have people escape, and then... uh, you know, it's again, it, it builds on stuff, but I think the best battles in Star Wars have always played on the idea that the rebels are the underdogs and that they're facing massive odds and that they have to be smarter, quicker, uh, faster on their feet than the Empire or whoever they're facing because otherwise it's not going to work. They, were, you know, they don't have the numbers, they don't have the technology, they just can't go toe to toe that way. I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad you've mentioned that one. That is because, a good one. Uh, it's very good. And like, um, it's got the twists and turns. Like, and I think like that's the common theme with these, these battles is that there's a narrative to, to the battle itself. You know, like this battle, you sort of, it's sort of folding, unfolding the way you'd expect with Thrawn basically owning them. And then, something happens that he can't anticipate and then something else happens that he can't anticipate and that's the only way that they would ever possibly survive this situation and it it really does work for me too Mm -hmm. all right so i've given my overrated what a dave uh what's your overrated most overrated force awakens um primarily Primarily because it's uh, not really in space, technically, or is or is not. I, you know, it's like you don't get any action other than immediately above Starkiller Base, 
um, in and around the atmosphere of Starkiller Base. And it has an atmosphere because they're in the snow, lightsaber dueling. Um, so I'm not even sure it counts, but people always tend to list this as, as one of the space battles anyway. So um, for that factor alone, I don't like it. It's funny um, you bring this one up because my uh, when I was in Nebraska, my best friend since preschool met up with him for dinner and we, we were talking about Star Wars a little bit. And he's like, you know, as much as I love force awakens he said i and i know you're supposed to like ditch physics when you're watching star wars he said but i just cannot get behind poe dameron coming in blowing stuff up, and then doing that big you know big sharp loop that he does he said any pilot would be passed out and bleeding from the eyes after <laughs> after doing that maneuver and it, he just can't get past that so anyway i'm sorry to step on you there for a second but it's funny that no you brought it's it up. hilarious yeah no it's um I got, you know, it, it's got a problem that I'll, I'll, is it's too busy. You're not really following what's going on until the very end. But again, like you said, at the end, like all of a sudden you're defying physics and like, wait, what, how are we even doing this? The impenetrable, you know, base is no longer impenetrable. Just like everything all logic breaks down at this point of the movie. And again, you're, 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 you go with it. Cause you're like, well, you know, the Han Solo and Ben Solo stuff and the, and the duel on the surface, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is all amazing. Um, but I feel like the space sequence of that movie doesn't live up. Cool. Fredo, how about your overrated? Overrated. I'm probably gonna go with uh, the Force. Uh, not the Force. Uh, the Phantom Menace. The space battle from that one. Has that, has that even never been rated? <laughs> well, that's, well, that was the thing. I was thinking of maybe saying Rise of Skywalker, but I went. Nobody rates that. Nobody even mentions that. You know. But I mean, at least with the Phantom Menace, it's interesting. We all remember the duel. We even remember Jar Jar and. Uh, and the droid battle. You're right. You more... identified the most forgettable space battle. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, you don't even get into it because most of the time you're spent behind the cockpit following uh, Anakin, who spends most of his time trying to figure out how to get off the autopilot so he can get back down to Naboo. Let's try and spinning. Some... That's a good move. Yeah. Right. And I think it tries to borrow a lot of stuff from the Battle of Return of the Jedi. Uh, the space battle, and it just it comes off like, like a cheap knockoff. It doesn't come off as well, and then the resolution is just kind of like, oh, okay, he just kind of piloted himself next door, ne next to the, the reactor. Uh, and I always think back to that would have been a far more would have been a farer would have been far more interesting if they would have kept the rest of the blockade on front, but reducing it to one ship it just kind of made it like. Eh. Kind of okay. It was also kind of like a bunch of Rolls Royces, you know, trying to, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, the whole thing was just kind of forgettable. I would agree with yeah. that. Well, I think we ha we had we still have been promised a rant. <laughs> All right, before the rant, honorable mentions. Yeah, I don't have any, but that's all right. Go ahead. Battle yeah. of Yavin? We, we, yeah, we mentioned, well, Battle of Yavin would have been the one that I don't think we've mentioned. And it's interesting that none of us mentioned it because it's such an obvious, it's the one battle in Star Wars. But, but, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to throw something well, out but, here. No, I'm going to throw yeah, something yeah. out here for a second. Um, a New Hope, all the space battle stuff in A New Hope, like the TIE Fighter dogfight and the Battle of Yavin, that is like your favorite pizza growing up as a kid. It's not that it's good pizza. It's that you just have fond memories of it. Because I, I now, when it, when I watch some of those things, it's kind of like after all the other things that we've seen with special effects and everything like that, it's just like, yeah, it's kind of lame pizza, but boy, it just still tastes, it, I, I remember it tasting awesome. You know, I mean, so, um, so anyway. I was, I was going to say, that's the one battle where I think the special editions do a great job. Cause oh, yeah, both, yeah. Because that's agree. a lot, in the, I mean, think back to the original cut, is very stilted. You can clearly tell models. Whereas in the special edition, thanks to CGI, you're getting some of that swooping over the camera effect. You're getting a lot of stuff flying at you. So it's, you know, they're still working within the frameworks of 1977, but it, it got improved on. I don't think it's overrated, you know, right. but I but mm-hmm. I don't, it didn't even get towards the top for me. So, But the, the music in it is like... The music, oh, the is, music iconic. is iconic. If we're going to talk music, that's different. If we're going to yeah, yeah. rank it based on like, music, I can I can play you the ten minute suite of John Williams' Battle of Yavin, and you can point what's happening on the screen just by the music, and you notice. Yeah, yeah, no, that we're going. We've hinted at doing an episode like that where we we're just like, let's play the music and try to identify what's going on in the movies. I think mm-hmm. we should do that. But uh, um, the trench run is so great. The rest of it, yeah. Um, the asteroid field. Yes, I I'm agree. sorry. Yeah, that's that's great, great, great content. I love it so much. And I, the other thing is, I I did give some thought to Timothy Zahn because he can describe the heck out of a battle sequence. It's a little more cerebral. It's a little more Star Trekky than Star Warsy. Um, but it, you can envision everything that he's describing. It's like, well, okay, so I know why this ship over here is vulnerable to this other ship and how they're getting flanked, and I understand. And it's like, that's kind of a rare thing. When you're reading it, you can actually picture it. So uh, I wanted to shout out that. But my rant, why? We talk about why this sequel trilogy didn't work. And I think, like, to a lesser extent, why the prequel trilogy didn't work for a lot of people. And like, this is it for me. More so than any other thing. It's, this is called Star Wars. You're supposed to be flying through space, shooting at each other in dogfights. And like, I cannot come up with a sequence in the sequel trilogy that I enjoy in terms of the Star Wars. You mean that slow speed chase didn't do for you in uh, The Last Jedi? Not really, no. Um, and again, like the bombing sequence earlier in the movie, there's there's some good emotional, you know, uh, weight in that sequence, and I get that. Um, and again, The Force Awakens, um, it's not technically a space battle. Well, I guess th- there's a couple of sequences earlier in the movie that are great, you know, like when they break free from the, the, the Star Destroyer, uh, Finn and Poe, um, and then uh, the Millennium Falcon stuff, you know, early on. Um, so there's there are some good moments 
Um, but like when you're thinking about like a killer star war, it does they're not there. And like like more than anything else, like to me that's the failing of the new movies. And again, to a lesser degree, the prequels, because you could throw that at the prequels too. Um I think Revenge of the Sith, you know, we're we're all very split on that. But the rest of the prequels, like, what do you got? You got you got Obi-Wan and Django in, a, in an asteroid field, and you got that that terrible battle at the end of Phantom Menace. Um, you know, it's it's not great. And so, like, for me, that's my rant. I'm like, when people are like, well, why don't you like the sequels? Or what do you, you know, like, what do you have against the sequels? It's like, well, why aren't there any Star Wars in the sequel trilogy? Yeah, so I guess my question though is, um, it's just play a little bit of devil's advocate there. Sure. I mean, it kind of gets into people's criticism of, you know, the Force Awakens, where you know JJ said, "I need my cantina scene," because if I was coming to this movie and didn't see my cantina scene, I'd feel like I was gypped. So, do you, you know, the 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 danger in compensating for what you're talking about is like all right, we've got to make sure we have our space battle, our lightsaber battle and our, you know, cantina scene, you know, it's like, we've got to make sure we have those things. It's kind of like, you know, John Peter saying he wants a big giant spider in the third act, you know, do you, you know, so I guess if the story dictates it, you know, then that there isn't a space battle, then I'm okay with it, you know, but I, but I think they're man. They write they write around so many things. They could they could figure it out because I mean the other the other thing is that you know you're right because what I do as a kid with my Millennium Falcon, you know after seeing Return of the Jedi, that's like run it into the vacuum cleaner a gazillion times so I could knock the radar dish off, you know, and so you can swoop around with your X wing and you know that's what sparks kids' imagination, not you know. Like you said, not a, I don't know, some of the other things we've seen. So I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but my fear is then does everything become so formulaic, you know? Well, and I was going to say, I think that's part of the problem is that it did in a way become formulaic. It's like you have to have a space battle. You have to have a lightsaber duel. After, you know, definitely after Empire, you have to have a lightsaber duel. And then after Return of the Jedi, it's like, oh, no, no. Now these things have to intersect. In some weird way, like you have to have the land battle, the space battle, the lightsaber duel all happening concurrently. It's like not necessarily, yeah. but also a lot of it really became more focused on the lightsaber aspect of it. That became the central focal point of a lot of the movie storylines. Again, because they're copying Empire. You know, I would I would say actually to J.J. Abrams' credit, you know, at least. You know, when you say, yeah, it wasn't really a space battle in The Force Awakens, but at least it was something different. You know, we saw X-Wings flying over a lake, and that was at least something different. I'd give, I'd give it that. And I, but I still, I don't think I can ever forgive Ryan Johnson for the slow speed chase in, and as much as I love Ryan Johnson. I like The Last Jedi, but, uh, I mean, I just, to have him run out of gas... You know, it's like, it's, it's, come on. Can we have a little bit of smoking in the bandit? You know, um, 
<laughs> so anyway, I like I like all three of the movies to varying degrees. Even Rise of Skywalker, I, I like all three of the movies. I just I think like if you're if you're you we talked about Endgame earlier, right? Just like like this gold standard at this point of closing the story off with this huge spectacle and doing it in an intelligent way that people respond to in an intelligent way in an emotional way and i was like for star wars the best way to possibly in the in the whole thing would have been just like crazy epic insane space battle and like they sort of hinted at something like that oh there's so many star destroyers and palpatine's like shooting light but you don't really you don't really see it on screen like you talk about execution when it comes to revenge of the sith i think the execution of the sequel trilogy is just like frustrating like it's 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 written into the script like here's here's an opportunity for us to have a space battle here it is and then we'll figure it out later. And then they don't figure it out later. Um, and, and that's my biggest frustration with the movies. And again, I like the three movies, but like, come on, give me something better. That's well, what I, that's where I'm at. That wasn't as much a get off my lawn as I thought, but Hey, <laughs> it was pretty good though. Um, so, Hey, if, you know, if if we didn't hit one of your favorite battles, or if we offended you with our, or if I offended you with my most overrated, you know, um, hit us up on Twitter, uh, uh, or on Facebook. Uh, let us know what you think the your top three space battles would be. Um, we'd we'd love to hear from you. Um, like I've always said, we like to be diverted from work. You know, to talk Star Wars stuff. Um, I can always tell when Fredo's on lunch because that's usually when he sends stuff and then he gets me ranting on what he sends. Um, but uh, uh, otherwise, tell your friends about our podcast on, if they want to listen to some Star Wars. Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit bat, bit of Bad Batch, but we're going to be back in the Marvel uh, world here because Loki comes out tomorrow. Um, so stay off Twitter till you see it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going I'm going golfing with Ryan after after work tomorrow, so Britt and I aren't going to be able to watch it until I get back from golf, so I'm going to have to stay off Twitter like all day long. Um, but uh so no, looking forward to Loki. Um, that'll be pretty cool. So, we'll be uh reviewing that as well. So, um anything else for the good day order before we sign off? All right. Well, everybody have a great week. Until then, we'll say who dat? Who dat? And uh, everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Later. My monkey.